Wives is a true crime podcast. Some of the content on this show might be too graphic for some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Hi guys and welcome to Crime Wives. I'm your host, Veronica. And I'm your host, Destiny. And hi. Hello. Happy day. I don't know what day it is. Wednesday, It'll I guess. It'll be Wednesday for you guys. Happy, so Wednesday. happy Wednesday. Happy hump day. It's the middle of the week. You guys are getting there. So close to Christmas, if you celebrate that. Hanukkah if is you happening. Celebrate that. No holidays are also happening if you celebrate that. Kwanzaa. I was like, what's another holiday that happens? New Year's comes after that. And no matter what, it's going to be 2020 for all of us. So for here we are. For most of us. Yeah, unless you're like in a different. No, no, it's 2020. <laughs> um, okay. So on that note. <laughs> Well, before we get into things, I would like to ask if you haven't already, if you could do us a huge favor, um, whatever you're listening to right now, wherever you're listening to us, in that app, uh, you should be able to rate and review us, and we would be super stoked if you could. Five stars, you know, whatever, however. Give us all the stars. Yeah. uh, Follow us on Instagram. Uh, We are Crime Wives Podcast on Instagram, Facebook. You can also email us at crimewivespodcast at gmail.com for... Pretty much anything you'd like to chat about, hear about, we keep getting some good recommendations to our Instagram, and I love it. Right? Yeah, and I think you're doing one of them today, right? I sure am. (laughs) Giveaway. But the other thing that I always like to say is if you're here for the crimey stuff, we don't get to that yet, Uh, but give us about 10 solid minutes to talk about ourselves, okay? That's what we like to do. And then we'll get you there. And then we'll get you there. So our special shout out, that's to Melody. Thank you so much for that review that you left us. Um, As you know, we appreciate it. We love the interaction. We love talking to you guys. Um, We love knowing what you think. Um, Good or bad, we do like to hear it all. But mainly it's just been great. And so... I mean, I don't think I've we've heard anything where people are like, "You suck." Yeah, I mean, I nice. don't. I'm sure they hear us. I hear myself, and sometimes I'm like, "I suck," but that was the best message. It was so <laughs> sweet. It was it was great. Thank you so much for doing that. Yeah, we appreciate it. And I mean, keep reaching out if there's things like if you hear a story on the news and you're like, "Oh, I want to hear more about that." I think that we're gonna start doing um, some more because we do a lot of older where everything we know like basically from front to end about it. But if you want to hear some about current things that are going on right now, I think that that's probably when we get our Patreon up and going. Mm-hmm. That's going to be more of the content there. Also, um, in case anyone is interested, it sounds like the crime husbands want to have some sort of <laughs> involvement on our Patreon. Yes. <laughs> that might be a thing. And also, heads up, they might be drunk. And At least there mine. might be football involved. <laughs> right? And it's actually going to be just a short skit on football. It'll be five minutes every month that you don't have to pay for (laughs) right and so if you have a husband that is like why do you listen to them be like let me show you what you can listen to let me introduce you to two men who agree with that thought (laughs) watch they get they do this once again everybody's like i need more i need more and we're like god damn it give them their own podcast just from their five minute segment right they're like okay so anyway stay tuned for 2020 folks (laughs) that's gonna get wild Jeez. hey what are you doing this week um this week, so I finished my dart league, which was, I mean, it's great. It's like bittersweet because now I don't go play darts anymore, which mm-hmm. I can still go play darts, but yeah, I'm not like, playing. I mean, the dartboard's still there. I'm not playing competitively. So I, um, we played second, so I was stoked. Oh, that's awesome. Um, but we are done, and now it's just getting ready for Christmas. Just had my holiday party last night. Yes, yes. It was great. I know we're doing this at like 
10 in the morning and I was like, cool, I went to bed around 3. Yeah, I know. I'm here. Me, I was like, in, I mean, I didn't go to bed super early, but I was like home in my pajamas when you guys were out. I was like, this is, I have peaked in life. You're <laughs> like, this is actually nice. Trust me, that's where I wanted to be half the time. I was like, <laughs> yeah. okay, well, here we are. I had a great time, but... Once I got home and I like put on my pajamas, I was like, oh. Why didn't I do this sooner? I live here now. <laughs> I live here now in but my like, house. Really? <laughs> and my cat like curled up on me and I was like, yes. Oh, I love cats for that reason. Right? Yeah. When they're nice. When, yeah, when they're nice. When they decide that you deserve the niceness. Yeah, that's why humans, they gamble with cats. Yeah, they really do. Like they're <laughs> like, like Alex's grandma always tells us and she's like, I had this cat and it was awful. It peed everywhere and da la la. And now, and I'm like, our cat is nothing like that. No. But okay. Uh-uh. Um, so we got lucky. Yes. And she just wandered into our house. So I was gonna say you didn't even like go out looking for her. She literally found you she guys. She literally lived under our house and we like fed her for a while. And then I had too much tequila and I let her in. <laughs> and I called Alex and I was like, I let it in our house. And he's like. Well, you better go to the damn store and get... <laughs> I like that he wasn't like, no, no, cat. He's like, go get food. <laughs> no, he... It wasn't even food. Because we had food because we fed it everyone's Oh, yeah, yeah. He was yeah. like, you better go get a litter box. And I was like, okay, Things well, not peeing no. in the house. Also, oh. didn't drive, guys. Don't worry. I like that your your story is... I had too much tequila. That's like how every good story starts for me. I'm like, well, let me tell you how this first took place. There was a lot of tequila and now here's Lincoln. No, <laughs> oh, <I'm> kidding. <laughs> Probably, honestly. <laughs> Oh, hi, Grandma. <laughs> I know she's listening. <laughs> so, I mean, she's... She knows how. She knows she's how my babies grandma. are made. She's my grandma. Ew. She is part of the reason why you are here, I so... I hate that thought. <laughs> <laughs> hi, Grandma. <laughs> There's now anger. Um, so, on that note, what are you doing this week? Well, um, I am... I have never purchased so many gifts on Amazon. So, I like, yesterday I ordered maybe 40 things oh jesus i'm literally doing almost all of my except for like the gift cards i'm getting people i'm doing almost all of my shopping on there so this week i will be receiving amazon packages every single day god did you see there is like a thing on facebook and it was this wife and she had saved all of her amazon boxes for the year and mm-hmm. then stuck them all outside so when her husband got home he was like what the fuck? What have you done? Yes, I've what totally is going seen on. It. It's so great. Um, and I was like, God damn it. I wish I would have saw this sooner because I totally would have done it to Alex. Am- he he, been like, Alex would walk home and, or get home and poop his pants. Just, nope. But, well, I hate Destiny. I'm, I'm single now. He'd be like, unhappy. Well, actually, his card's on our Amazon. But right now, we don't have joint yet. And so he would probably be like, well, hopefully this was all on her card. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Checks his account. He's like, Destiny! <laughs> Surprise. Just kidding. They're Filled with things. Right. Um, <laughs> Just kidding. I actually bought all this, which is going to be you this week. It really is. I or mean, does he I know? like set, well, it's like not just for Travis. It's like some of my family members too. And one of the, well, hopefully there's 40 gifts. If you want yeah. Travis 40 gifts, he'd be like, girl. Yeah. yeah. Reevaluate. That's yeah. No, no. I mean, I'm, I bought him. Um, I can't, I'm so stoked for one of the things I bought him. And now that I know that he actually listens to this, I can't even say it on here. <laughs> Like, I want you to not listen so I can talk about it because I'm so stoked. It's not even that big of a thing. I will show you what it is, and you're going to be like, oh, my gosh, he's going to love this. I was so stoked that I found it. 
But uh, that's what I will be doing this week. I literally cannot make plans because from I'm going to be getting gifts every single day this week. You're going to be receiving things. Yeah. And you can't leave it on your porch nowadays. I mean, so. I work from home, so I do love the, I love to tell people like that I don't know. Oh yeah, I work from home. Just in case they happen to be a burglar. They're right. like, oh, well, she's home. I can't, can't go steal. her. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or hopefully they're not that kind of burglar. Or just hopefully like you don't communicate with these kinds of people <laughs> I, where they really think that they might rob your home i talk you never you never freaking know destiny That's, how, how mean, many of these have you oh look I, at that out for delivery one of your amazon packages Jesus. right now oh, okay <laughs> That's where she's at in life. So anyways, yeah, that's that. That's what I'll be doing this week. And uh, it'll <laughs> it'll be interesting coordinating my life around those deliveries. I mean, it's Christmas time. You got to do what you got to do. Merry Christmas. Okay, so what are you going to be talking about this week? Okay, I'm covering one that was sent to us by a fan. Um, I... I don't think she meant, I think she was just trying to show us it, and I was like, oh, this story's great. Hey, I'm going to cover this. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if she was. If you were, I'm doing it for you now. <laughs> um, and I thought that I hadn't heard of this before. I think it's an episode of I Survived that I've seen a long time ago. Doesn't matter. It's a freaking great story. Her name is Susan Kenhausen. Okay. I should have listened to her name better. <laughs> so sorry if I said it wrong. Um, the sources that I used are rare.us.com and it might be us.com and then a podcast called Today in True Crime. It was a 17 minute podcast. So I had to, I was like, what is this? Just filled with information. Yeah. I swear another podcast I've, you know, like all of when we were talking about our main lineup, Uh I swear another podcast I listened to has covered this before, but I couldn't, it didn't show up. So I'm not sure... I don't know. It's just a, a crazy story. So get ready. All right, and I'm ready. As always, your favorite. It's in Oregon. I love slash hate Oregon crimes because I just because they're the worst. Because they're here and we live here. And I'm like, oh shit. There's more than I ever like. There's obviously like Ted Bundy. I'm like, yeah, he was in Oregon. Yeah, like. At a point, and there's a lot of people. I'm like, oh, they went through here at a point, but then there's all these people that I haven't heard of that I'm like, oh, they were also here. Oh, them yeah. too. Yeah. Okay. Well, the, the more the more we get into this, the more I realize I did not know as much about Oregon crime as as I shouldn't or should. Ooh, I don't right? know. I hate it. <laughs> so, uh, this is the story of Susan Kuhnhausen. I'm pretty sure that's how you um, pronounce it. And um, also, before I get into my story today, I was going to do this in the first part of it. I went back and listened to our podcast last week, and um, your story was crazy, obviously, when you're cut Caesar, 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 Caesar Barone. Um, and I listened to myself victim blame, and I just wanted to make it clear I was not attempting to do that I said that I was mad that she or I sounded like I was mad that she got raped by her stepson and then didn't do anything and I happened to never have been raped in my life I thankfully can say I've never been raped I have no idea how you react when you get raped so um I just wanted to make it clear to anyone that's listening that heard that and was like well I hate Ronica that I also hated me for a few seconds too (laughs) it was just a first angry reaction. Sometimes that... I forget that I'm recording myself and I re- I just have a reaction like I'd be alone and wouldn't be judged by people. And then I'm like, I heard myself and was like, I'm judging me. Yeah. <laughs> so I just wanted to clear that up before we get into this. Anyways, 
there's that. Okay, so Susan Kuhnhausen is um, now known as Susan Walters. Um, she was an emergency room nurse for 30 years when this story takes place. Oh, wow. And I just wanted to establish that right at the top so you don't forget it. Is it awful? I just think Grey's Anatomy. Anytime we do medical, I'm like, oh, it this could happen in Grey's. Awful. Okay, anyways. Oh, gosh. It, this could, this would never be an episode of Grey's. It's too much. You don't know. Chandra gets you. Okay. Okay. I'm well, sorry. <laughs> get ready then. Oh, no. I mean, I guess she does, actually. I've seen a few. I lines. cry a lot. Yeah. It's fine. It's, this is no, I don't. I'm an angry person. I don't cry. She cries. Okay. So, um,. You know, we always like, we always, I feel like I try to structure my stories about them as I start off with their background information. Mm -hmm. So there wasn't a ton of background information um, about her, but uh, just kind of says that she had an okay-ish upbringing. Um, She wasn't subjected to like the best relationships. Her parents uh, divorced when she was like in second grade, (laughs) haha, in second grade. Uh, because of her divorce, uh, because of the divorce, her dad being in, and her dad being in the Air Force, they moved around all over the West Coast. They were just in pretty much all the states on the West Coast. They yeah. lived there at some point, and then they were jumping around between parents at all times, and there was, um, she was not an only child. There was other kids, so it was a little chaotic is how she described her childhood. I mean, yeah, sounds like it. <laughs> sounds like it would be. Um, as an adult, in the early 80s, she became a registered ner- nurse and moved to Coos Bay, Oregon. I don't know why she moved there, but I'm assuming it was because of her job, that she found a good job in Coos Bay. Um, and then later to Portland, Oregon. So that's where this takes place. Portland! Yeah. In fact, I, I'm going to get into it e- or make a note about this eventually, but this is real close to home for me <laughs> for some reasons. So... Um, as far as where this takes place. Uh, at some point in 1998, while she's out living her single life, uh, a friend of hers and her mom, and I put like a question mark because I think it's weird that her mom helped her do this, but they paid for her to put a personal ad in the newspaper, uh, the newspaper that's called Willamette Week. And so they put out like a, hey, I'm single boys. (laughs) Maybe she just needed a little love and her mom saw. Yeah. I was like, her mom helped pay for this? But whatever. Fine. So... Um, eventually a man named Mike Kuhnhausen replied and he, um, well, first let me read what she had put, like a little bit of what she put. Um, in the personal ad, she said she was looking for quote, someone different. And she playfully explained herself. I don't, this, I just love this. I don't know why. She said 33 and overweight, but not over life. Oh, that's <laughs> cute. Like, Girl, I love you. I'd like, take you on a that's date. That's a motto. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Mike Kuhnhausen replies, and, um, his was boring. I read his reply, it was boring. It was like, he basically was like, I love the outdoors, and I love to go to the beach, and, uh, you know, like... All right, yeah, Oregonian. Yeah, yeah. He, and he, like, talks about hiking and stuff. I was gonna say, and then he, I like to go on a hike. Yep. Uh Have an IPA at my local brewery. I mean, if this was (laughs) nowadays, that's exactly what it would say. (laughs) So, yep, and he's got a beard. So there's that. Okay, we're all there. Yeah. So um, after that, they began talking on the phone for hours at a time. Because, um, I mean, he reached out. She, They start talking. They're on the phone all the time. They have their first date in February of 1998. And by the next year, they're married in Reno. Okay. So they just they hit it off and they fell in love. When and you know, was, you know. When you know, you know. And after their first year of marriage, Susan notes that things just kind of kind of like took a standstill as far as 
he was no longer taking her on hikes. He's no longer taking her on the beach. And it only took about a year for him to kind of turn into a grump. And um, he, I, he, this dude is negative. He's a very negative guy whenever they... they And a lot of the, um, the website that I was looking at, that one... They explain quotes from him where he's just he's just negative Nancy. Mm-hmm. Like his outlook on life wasn't great. Is weird. Okay. Um. So by the September of two thousand five, she decided that she didn't want to be married to him anymore. She was like, he was over it, and I was not. She he didn't want to. He didn't make her feel the way that Susan deserved. To she be. wasn't over life, and he was over. Life, yes, so. she was. She was over way, but not over life. Exactly. Okay? And he was just over life. So, um, at this point, Susan had been an ER nurse for a long time and believed she, I, I believe she just built up a tolerance for bullshit, to be honest. Mm-hmm. So she kicked him out of the house and he moved in with his dad. Like, okay. And so this part of the story is a little bit unclear as far as, um, there's a little bit of in, in mixed information as far as like she, he kicks her out in 2005. Um, and then I think like a year goes by, um, there's another place that says 2006 is when he got moved out. So whichever part of the story or however those details work out, I just want it to be clear that I'm not, like, making up dates or something. Yeah. I just didn't – it didn't – the timeline is kind of foggy between there. But whichever part of it you will go with, um, that a year goes by, and from what I understand, they kind of keep in touch and they still have things together. Like, I think, like, maybe not a bank account, but I think there's a lot in, because they had owned a home and all of that stuff. they were married and... Yeah, so I think that this year goes by and he's still, like, he knows the code to her house still and um, he, I think, helps her with things at the house sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, So it doesn't say a lot about their relationship um, over that year except that I think that he would just still do favors for her or something like that. On the evening of September 6th, 2006... Um, that's what we're going to go to. So now it's definitely 2006 now. (laughs) That's where we're definitely at. Susan gets off work from the Providence Portland Medical Center on Northeast Gleason in Portland. I, for my job, I tell people an address that is on Northeast Gleason every single day at work. Oh, weird. (laughs) Yes. I tell them where this class is that I work with. I say Northeast Gleason in Portland every single day. This, 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 even though Gleason is really long, Northeast Gleason has so much on it. Yeah. She worked right but there like, at Providence ah. Medi- Medical School. And she was an ER nurse, so she was taking care of wild stuff. And I've been to that part of town. There's so many people. So I can only imagine what her so work there's... life was like. <laughs> Jeez. Yes. So she gets off work. She goes to the hair salon. She's waiting in the lobby, um, just picking up a magazine. And she remembers when she's retelling the story, she remembers vividly reading a quote by Oprah, and I could not leave this part out, that said, I will not die an unloved life. I'm sorry, an unlived life. I will not live in fear. And like, reading that at beforehand, I was like, okay. So anyways, after her appointment, she heads home to her house in Southeast Portland. So it's kind of like across town. Well, after 6.30 when she gets home, um, she, you know, types in her alarm code, gets into her house. I can imagine the day at work she... I can't imagine the day at work that she had, so she's exhausted. Gets home, kicks off her shoes, starts walking to her house. She, I think, takes note right away that the lights are not on. Like, there's something a little bit off. It's not how she left it. It's not how she left it. And she 
definitely knows by the time she gets to her bedroom that she always leaves the curtains wide open. Like, she knows the darkness in her house. Like, it's, it's always a little Yeah, we always light. leave our house, like, a certain, certain particular way. way yes. And Sometimes I will forget to turn off the light in my bedroom, and I will pull up in front of my house, and I'm like, who's there? Oh, it's me. I did it to myself. And, <laughs> and I'll, like, leave the curtain just a little bit open, and it looks like someone's peeking out, and I'm always like, but... Oh, it's just myself, and that's my hat. I did all of that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Myself. So, she gets to her bedroom, and she knows that, and I am I am so invested in this story that it's hard for me to read what my notes that I wrote, so sorry that I, I, I just want to sit here and tell you the whole story without even having to look, but I want to make sure the information is correct. Gotcha. So, she gets into her room, and she sees that the um, curtains are open, and... Um, she, for whatever reason, is like, I'm just going to go in there, I guess. And she, like, walks into her bedroom. And when she enters her room, a five-foot-nine man comes from behind the bedroom door. And he begins attacking her with a hammer. Jesus. And first, yeah. So the man was in, I'm just going to read. I just want to tell the story how I know it in my brain, but I'm going to read it how I wrote it. Yeah. <laughs> so the man was in dark clothes and a baseball hat and weighed a little less than she did. Um, but he was much taller than her. And she's, um, she totally, in a lot of the pictures, <sighs> reminds me of Phyllis from The Office. Oh. Like, you just want to give her a hug. Yeah. But she's badass as shit. Okay. <laughs> like, she's so <laughs> badass. So, there's a picture of him. So, he's very tall. He looks like, uh. Didn't you say he's like 5'9"? He's 5'9". Um, but he had long, wild hair. Very unkept. Um, huge, long gray beard. Uh, she did not know him, like, right off the bat. She could see his face. And he had on yellow rubber gloves, like, that you wash dishes with. <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. That's Very a sight. Very detail. Um, and then, of course, a big black claw hammer. And he first, right when he walks out, he hits her in the head with Jesus a hammer. Right on her temple. Christ. Uh-huh. And, um, and then he hits her two more times in the face, like, jaw area. Um, I will say that the picture that I saw of after her being beaten there I am like I'm like incredibly mind blown for how good she kind of looks for I mean maybe this picture beat with a hammer the picture might be a little bit old but she's got like a black eye over here and some cuts right here but anyways I think it's safe to say that she doesn't die however he hits her multiple times and she realizes oh it's time to fight for my life and she makes a decision that I feel like, I mean, she like starts fighting back. I feel like none of us would do what she, I, I just am like, what the heck? So yeah. with whatever strength she has in her after being hit multiple times with a hammer, she decides to like, I, I'm just going to over, I'm going to try and overpower him. So she starts like ramming him in the, into the wall with her body. And, um, at first didn't work, but he says the only thing he says to her the entire time he's there, she pushes him up against the wall and he starts to push her back and he goes, you're strong. Oh, God. it's around this point that she realizes that this guy is not there to burglarize her house. He's just hiding there um, to kill her. Like, it's very clear that he, that's his intent. And she says, at this point, I was kind of like a down power line. I was striking wherever I could and... I thought I was going to die today. Mm-hmm. So I, she's basically saying, so I just start doing whatever yeah. I can. So the fight only gets more wild, and he begins to try and, like, suffocate her, I think. And he's doing whatever he can. In fact, at some point, his crotchal region is near her face, and she bites through his zipper. Holy And there are bite marks shit. later of her teeth on his genitals. 
Like he's doing whatever he can, and so is she. So Jesus Christ, they're both just literally at this point where she's oh, trying was, to basically kill each there's other. There's a picture, a very small picture of the scene later. Blood everywhere. There's blood everywhere. <sighs> Thankfully, she's finally able to overpower him. She struggled the hammer away from him and continued to fight with him until she was able to get an arm around his neck, and she has him in a chokehold, and um, she finally, I think, brings him to the ground is what it is, and she begins yelling at him and asking him, like, who sent him? Because somewhere in this fight, she realizes this is not just a burglar. Yeah, she's like, I'm not calling 911. Who the fuck sent you? She literally, <laughs> oh, just wait. So she knew this was no burglary. She was like, she's yelling, and she said, who are you and what do you want? He doesn't reply. So she starts squeezing his face even tighter, and she says that his face turns purple. And she's a freaking ER nurse. She knows exactly how much air you can have until you're yeah. about to die. The last thing she yelled at him was, tell me who sent you tell me who sent you here and I will call you a fucking ambulance. However, he never responded and then he died. And what? Yeah. And she like doesn't know if he's dead right then, but she grabs that hammer and in a panic rushes next door and goes to her neighbor's house. So. God. But could you imagine your neighbor running over like that too? And, and she was like, was like ah. thankfully, I think she had a pretty good relationship. I mean, like a, they knew each other okay-ish. So the last thing she yelled at him, I've said that. Okay. She gets the hammer, runs to her neighbor's house, and they called the police for her. And um, there was a little bit of the conversation that I was like, okay, I can't leave this out. The 911 dispatcher has a lot of questions, obviously. Yeah. Because um, that's their job. Uh, basically, the 911 dispatcher is asking, how did uh, she kill him? What did she use? And the neighbor just says, she, it sounds like she just used a chokehold. She just used her arms. And then the last thing the dispatcher asks is, was he by himself? And the neighbor's response was, yes. But she expressed concern that it may have been her ex-partner who sent the person. Saw that? Yeah. Yes. Totally. So from there... She was sent to the hospital and underwent great care, but obviously this she's getting care from people that she works with. Yeah. So, um, and while she's getting, basically at the same time that she's in the hospital, a police investigation takes place, or starts, and they go through her house while she's, I think she's still in the hospital, they go through the house, they come through it, and um, the only thing that they found was, like, stuff on the intruder. They find that his name is Ed Haffey. He was 59 years old, a veteran, and was known was a known drug user, at least to the police, in the area. Um, and when an autopsy was performed, they found that Ed had near-lethal dose of cocaine in his system at the time of his death. Jeez, how much cocaine is that? I did so much. And that's probably why he wasn't talking back, I'm going to assume. <laughs> um, with all of this new evidence about him, police were kind of still assuming this was a burglary gone wrong. Um, but the following day, Susan and a friend are allowed to go back into her home. The next day, after she's been beat with a hammer, she's like, well, I get to go back in my house. She is now under, um, like, police care, and they're, I, what, I don't know what the word is. Like, police watch, where they're watching her constantly? Yeah. And she's, like, well, she's allowed to go to the house, and then she leaves the house. But she, like, gets some of her things, and her friend's, like, I'm sure super curious. So her friend's walking through the house. What they found well well what her friend found I guess her friend went down into the basement and they found a backpack like that was very clearly just laying on the ground yeah and she was knew that it wasn't Susan's and 
Inside of the backpack, they found a container of chocolate syrup, $200 cash, diabetes pills, a pay stub to Ed Haffey, and a daybook planner with a note inside from Monday, September 4th. Remember, this happened on the 6th. Yeah. So from two days earlier, there's a note that says, call Mike. Good old Mike. Good old Mike. Uh, when police looked further into this half, halfy, I always want to say halfy for some reason, halfy, uh, Ed Haffey, they found that he'd been convicted of <laughs> arranging a murder on his ex-girlfriend previously. Because okay. they're just like, who is this guy? And they're like, oh... Uh, this was a crime that because he pled guilty to for a conspiracy to murder, he spent nine years in jail for. Oh, Jesus. This conspiracy. So, hate it. The, what they also, like, when they were looking more into him, they're like, well, how the heck, what, what's the connection here to this Mike guy? Well, they find out that, um, which I don't think I mentioned this at the beginning of the story, and I think I meant to, that Mike, um, Kuhnhausen is a manager for a bunch of janitors so that's what okay. he does so he's always he's been this janitor for a while but had recently been let go from the job um and but ed haffrey haffy sorry had been hired by mike at some point um and he'd been hired by mike to um do janitorial work at an adult video store i'm guessing that's not the only thing he was hired for that sounds like he might have <laughs> paid him maybe 200 dollars. i don't know Jesus. okay um so when the police start looking for mike they found that um when they realize oh this is tied back to mike somehow i don't know why they didn't go to him first but whatever um they find that he'd purchased a gun the day i think after the uh attack He'd purchased a gun from the pawn shop and fled to the coast, leaving behind a suicide note that said, All I ever wanted was to be loved, and every time I had it, I fucked it up. However, like a true winner, he actually didn't kill himself because he... I, I Maybe true winner's not... But this guy is just so narcissistic, I think would be, that he didn't want to, to kill himself either. He just was being dramatic. Yeah, he just is like, look at me, though. Uh-huh. So, by September 13th, they find him um, in a parking garage of a medical center where he claimed to have been trying to check himself into, which, like, okay, good, but they don't think he was actually doing that. They think that he might have thought, oh, there's police officers, so he drove to a medical center. Yeah, and he's like, here's my, well, but I was gonna check myself in because I'm feeling a little Because I made bad choices, me. and now I know what the wrong thing is. Yeah. So, Mike was held on involuntary psychiatric hold for, um, or for an evaluation for about 11 hours before police officially arrested him for conspiracy to commit murder. Weeks before the murder, Mike had lost his job, and Susan had told him that she had just made her brother the sole beneficiary to life insurance policy, to her life insurance policy. So, at first, they were like, he had no motive. Mm -hmm. He just, I mean, he lost his job. That's sometimes the only motive people need, which is bananas. Um, But... Uh, his he kept saying, "Well, I knew I wasn't gonna get a life insurance policy, so why would I try and kill her?" Um, th- however, uh, they realized that they had that Susan had just paid off the three hundred thousand dollar home that was still in both of their names, so he would have been the sole beneficiary of that of the house. Yeah, yeah. so at least three hundred thousand dollars, and this is in the eighties, would have been. Um, his. I thought you said it was two thousand six. I'm sorry, the eighties is when they were married. This is two thousand six. And with some evidence from the alarm security company, 
uh, they were able to, at first he kept saying that he didn't go to her house or something. Mm -hmm. Eventually though, they were able to, to kind of verify that he had given the code to, um, Ed and then Ed got that and that's how, and they were able to like kind of follow and track that through the alarm security Yeah, there's a, literally, there's an electronic like. Yes. Like I think. It's right there. I truly, if she would have been murdered, I still think that, well, that if, if she would have been murdered, maybe that guy would have went back down and got his backpack, but it sounds like he was so coked out that he might have killed her, left his backpack, and and Mike would still be charged with this. Yeah. Like, oh, well, everybody always looks at the spouse or the ex-spouse, yeah. so this somehow is, it definitely, and it would have, it could have came back, and yeah, he, his prints, I'm sure, were already in the system, because he had already been to prison, I'm sure there was prints there. Yeah. It just doesn't sound like it was a very well thought out You know, it wasn't. Crime. It wasn't, and what they definitely didn't expect was for Susan to be a fucking badass. And, and kill this motherfucking guy. Yeah. Not so, upset about that. No. Um, on August 2007, Mike pled guilty and was sentenced to seven years in prison. Cool. For conspiracy to commit murder. Um, he was set to be released in 2014. However, on Friday the 13th in June of... 2000 that, uh, that year 92 days before his scheduled release he died of cancer so, not upset nope <laughs> I'm, I'm glad he's no longer allowed to do bad things um yeah. as always and then there I didn't I didn't write this quote or anything but I did feel like it needed to be said how I I think that she's portrayed in the media as like this super badass woman but it shook her to her core as you can imagine yeah and she always says that she chose her life over that guy's life that day, except that she still to this day, and obviously for the rest of her life, will struggle because she was forced to kill someone. Oh, and yeah. she's now in her, and you know, somewhere in her heart, I'm sure she thinks, I'm a murderer, but no, you're a survivor. Like, yeah. You did what so many people wish they could do. Um, and so I just, and that's that. That's wild. <laughs> yeah. That story is so wild, and thank you so much for sending it to us, Jenny, because it was great. Yeah, was no, so that's, good. well, and thank God she survived, and she, she's just stood her ground. That's amazing. Yes. So, that was that wild case. Uh, what are you doing this week? So, uh, I decided to stick in the organ theme, um, <laughs> which, theme. another. We love and hate. Blah. Um, but today I'm going to be talking about Dayton Roger. Who? Dayton Roger. Nope. A.K.A. the Malala Forest Killer. I never knew there was a killer in Malala. I know. I mean, I assumed everyone's... I mean, ugh. there's killers everywhere, but... Hate it. I, I'm surprised that this one's just so close to home and I've never heard of it. <laughs> I feel like it's kind of like vaguely, maybe in like just skimming through things I've seen it, but I've never, like, read into it. I'm interested to see if, as you're telling it, if I've ever heard of it. I don't, if it I just starts never... to, like, kind of click. Uh-huh. Um, so I'm sure, like, our parents have heard about it. Oh, sure. Another one of those. Ugh, yeah. Um, just because a lot of it takes place through, like, the 80s. Oh, yep. Um, mm-hmm. So Dayton was born on September 30th, 1953, in Idaho, to Ordis Noble Rogers. Ordis? Ordis. Love it. And... Jasperell <gasps> love Rogers. It. Oh, I love that. Okay. <laughs> Let's just calm down. You go by Jasper by short. I mean, I guess. I'm guessing <laughs> you she <hate> it. didn't. 
I feel like Jasper, I've never met a girl named Jasper. Me either. But... So I'm going to say she probably went by Jasperelle. Maybe her parents wanted a boy, and they're like, well, how can we make this a girl name? <laughs> they had it set up Ew. to be a Jasper. Um, so Dayton grew up with his two biological sisters and four additional adopted siblings. Wow. So, the family. Yeah. Ortis never cared to have children, but Jasperelle was obviously all about it. Yeah, because they have four adopted children. Yeah, so he's like, I don't really like children, and I never oh, really no. wanted them. Um, so even though he, Ortis was the only one working, and they didn't really have the money to have, it sounds like, seven children. Yeah, well, okay. But the mother wanted it, so yeah. mommy gets what mommy wants, I, I guess. I guess so, which was um, a bunch of kids. <laughs> yeah. Hey. No, thank you. Yeah, no, hard pass. Um, yeah. Hard. I have one, and I'm like, ah. You're like, another one. <laughs> You're like, okay, well, we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah. But seven is a little excessive Definitely for me. three sounds excessive. Like, God bless all of my friends that I know now that have three children. I'm like, good work on you. Yeah. You did good. Do you ever sleep? Me. <laughs> um, so the couple was known to be very religious. And that being said, at home, Ortis would talk about his constant need for sex and was also very violent. Oh, gosh. This is like the worst dude that could ever adopt four children. Doesn't want children. Three real, like, yes. three biological. Yes. Not real. Bi- biological. Wrong yeah, that word. That would be the word. Um, so s- seven children in total. And he is... Talks about his constant need for sex and how Like he, in front of them? Yeah. Oh, How whoa. he deserves it. Um, how it's like his right, basically. I um, yeah. am speechless. And then he, like I said, very violent, constantly hitting the children to the point of bruising and bleeding. Oh, and how freak- were they able to continue to adopt children if he was... Probably because it's like 50s, in oh, the 50s. I, oh, I, I don't know if it was as strict as it is now. Yeah, didn't he say... Oh, yeah. I thought he said this was the 80s, but okay, never mind. This oh. is, everything oh, we're talking about now is 50s. Got it. Everything happens later in the 80s. Ugh. It's um, going to be a long time. <laughs> so he basically told all the children that they had an evil entity living inside of them. Oh, no. He's that kind of crazy. That kind of, yes. So he told his children that if women were wearing little clothing or showing too much skin, that they were all, quote, sluts, and told him, told his children that women who had premarital sex should be stoned. Oh, no. The kids were expected to stay pretty close to home and weren't encouraged to have friends outside of their home, which probably wasn't that hard um, to ensure since they moved around very frequently due to his father working a variety of different jobs. So he was like a baker, a painter, and just multiple different jobs. Um, They typically moved to smaller areas in smaller towns because cities basically, for them, they said had too much sin. Oh. And too many things that, like, the kids could learn from too many different people. So, you mean they lived on the earth? <laughs> yeah. But they, so... but they decided to live in, like, smaller cities, so they weren't around okay. too many people. Not as much influence. Exactly. Um, so, during his elementary school years, his obsession with women's feet began. Okay. He would steal his sister's shoes and then frequently, like, hold their shoes. And then, and they lived in pretty close quarters, but he would, like, hold their shoes and, like, masturbate with the other hand. Which, I mean, people have their feet thing. Nothing they do, wrong with but that. I already can sense that this story is not going well. And it's because of people, like, bad people that give that a bad name. Yeah, they give that a bad rap. So, yeah. um, down the road, he told people that his sisters became whores and would force him to engage in sexual behavior with them. 
Uh, but mm. that is thought to be a lie uh, to kind of it. hurt his parents. Ah, uh, gotcha. And also calling your sisters a whore, I, some, for some reason that makes it seem like he's the bad guy. Yeah. Here. So when he was around the age of 12, it's, there is a, okay, so I listened to a podcast, uh, Going West, mm-hmm. and they like talked a lot about, um, in this part, I, they mentioned that he had, so I don't know, because I couldn't find the sources for this besides that podcast, so mm-hmm. I kind of, I didn't go too far with it, but they said that he actually got suspended and expelled from school for masturbating Oh, gotcha. in like elementary school. Okay, so it started from a young age. From a young age. Okay. So when he was around the age of 12, Dayton's family moved to Walla Walla, Washington, which we're, I'm pretty familiar with. Um, I'm very, and, and, all of... All of the bad things come out of Washington. <laughs> right. So. Um, you're giving Oregon a bad rap. Yeah. Just and, kidding. I mean, yeah. also, figuring out Oregon might have. I think Anyways. that my dad's um, girlfriend, a lot of her family is like from the uh, Puyallup and then sometimes I think the Walla Walla area. So I'm very familiar with these parts. Well, and just so anybody know, that doesn't know, size-wise, uh, back then, like 50s, 60s, mm-hmm. had a population of about 20,000 people. Oh, okay. So not very large. No. I mean, it's still, if you just drive through the freeway through Walla Walla, you're like, what? There's, there's a town here? This is a town? Yeah. No. Um, so while living there, he got in trouble for the first time for shooting a BB gun at moving cars. Um, and he received probation, which honestly, you have no criminal record, anything like that. Yeah. You kind of sound like a troublemaker. Like, kids don't necessarily know the extent of what shooting a BB car at. They, they, they could. They definitely so could know. There's so many boys that but do it, it could. and they're like, they don't always know the repercussions. Like, I know people like that threw rocks at cars. And yes. I was like, hey, idiots. I'm like, pretty sure I'm related to someone who shot at a moving car with a paintball gun. I don't imagine that they are listening to this. However, <laughs> they do know who they are. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, and that's the thing is that they don't necessarily know. You don't necessarily know at a younger age. No. The extent, like, of what your actions can be. And that person that I'm talking about is, like, a totally fine, like, re- responsible adult now. Like, yeah. So, yes, it doesn't always indicate, oh, that's a bad kid. But exactly. That is where it can start. So, this all resulted in vigorous beatings from his father. Oh, yes. Um, which... I'm sure we all could have assumed his relationship with his father continued to grow distant and his relationship with his mother turned into anger and resentment since she wouldn't stand up for him. It sounds like he's already mad at the a lot of women. In a lot life. of people. Uh-huh. Um, so the parents decided to send Dayton to a religious-based boarding school for a small amount of time, but his grades got worse. So when they moved to Pleasant Hill, Oregon, Oregon. Oh, man. they moved him back home. His grades continued to drop, and he decided to drop out of school and move to Corvallis, Oregon. Is question? Do you know? Is he like the bad kid of the family, or are they all kind of? Uh, it kind of sounds more like it, yeah. but there's not a lot of not a lot of okay. The other children. I'm just wondering because it sounds it's gonna be so stressful. But it sounds like all... the parents like equally beat all the children, things along oh, those yeah. lines. Like it was. Or it's the crazy dad to, did. to hear that the dad was beating them, but then they sent him to a, a, a religious school to like help him, like. This is mixed information they're giving their Yeah, because, well, and it sounds like, no, he was just, like, a very religious father yeah. that, like, but was also a very angry man. Mm-hmm. So he had Weird. this religious view, like, in the community and like, showed that he was very religious, but he was also a very violent guy at extreme. home. Extreme. Okay, not unheard of. Okay. Yeah. So after a few years, um, he found it was time for another change um, for move, for, since he lived in Corvallis at this time, and at the age of 19, he moved to Eugene. So when he was in Eugene, he started to date a 16-year-old named Julie, 
And only about a month after this, they got married. Oh, when he's 18 and she's 16? And then they got married? Mm-hmm. Okay, off to a... So they got married pretty quickly. Um, and then a month after they got married, he was out on a date with someone else. Oh, <laughs> um, well, maybe because a... he shouldn't have got married at 18 to a 16-year-old? 19, 19 to a 16-year-old. Oh, worse. Um, <laughs> and he was out on a date with Denise, who was a 15-year-old girl. And so they had met the previous day. They had hooked up. I think and then confused at what marriage is. <laughs> probably. So then the next day, they went out again, and they went to the woods, and he stabbed her in her abdomen. Oh, uh, what? Yeah. The 15-year-old? Yes. Oh. Um, and then he took her to the hospital. When she arrived and was stabilized at the hospital, police began to question her, and she said that her wound was self-inflicted. What? She, so due to the severity of the stab, the police knew that it was highly unlikely that she had stabbed herself, Mm -hmm. and they discovered that Dayton had been the one to drop Denise off at the hospital. They contacted Dayton, and he gave some bullshit story about how he had met her and was giving her a ride, Um, and then he couldn't get a hold of her, basically. So he had met her, he gave her a ride, they had, like, known each other. Mm -hmm. Then the next day he was trying to get a hold of her, like, called her home, couldn't get a hold of her through her parents, and so he just started driving around seeing if he could find her. And just happened upon her. And he just happened to find her, and she had been stabbed. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's his story. Likely. She, um, ended up telling her mother that they were sitting in this car, and she just felt a pain in her abs. When she looked down, she had been stabbed. But I have so many questions. I'm probably going to answer them, so one second. But she was trying to play it off because she was afraid of what he may do. Um, so after being reassured that Dayton would not hurt her, she told the story. How they had met the day before and were hanging out, flirting, kissing, and ended up having sex. Um, and then he was like, can I see you again? And she was like, yeah, let's hang out tomorrow. So the next day he picked her up and they went to the woods. She said, quote, then we sat down. He was tickling my legs and said to close my eyes. And we lay down on the ground. Then I felt the plunge. I thought at first that a rattlesnake or some kind of snake had bitten me. Then I thought it felt like a horse had kicked me. I looked down and there was the hunting knife. Oh. Dayton said, quote, I just couldn't trust you anymore. What the? And then she said, I pulled it out with my left hand. I was bleeding. Then... She said, quote, Dayton, I love you. Huh? What? And I think at this point she's like, oh, what do I do? Yeah. Okay, yeah. What's panic? What am I, save where myself. am I, yeah, save my yeah. life. And then he said, oh my God, what did I do? Oh. So, and this is from a book called Bloodlust, Portrait of a Serial Sex Killer. Oh. One of my sources where I got a lot about his younger years. Um, but, and then guess what he did? Um, he, he said, I'm sorry. He proposed to her. Oh my, literally the last thing I thought was going to happen. Right, he's like, I stab you, oh no. You said I love you? Oh, well. Marry me. Yes. Also, oh. I got married a month ago. I, then I was very right when I first said, I don't think he knows how marriage works. <laughs> exactly. You don't just, first of all, no stabbing. Second of all, not when dry when she says I love you. Ah, this is all bad. And now she's about to die. Oh, and then he was like, oh, how do I save you? Ugh. Oh, I hate it. And, and so, then dropped her off and was probably like, okay, make sure you tell them you did it. So I... after the proposal, she was able to convince him to take her to the hospital as long as she didn't tell anyone what he did. The police contacted Julie, which is his wife, uh-huh. and asked her where her husband was the night Denise was attacked. And she said, 
Well, he was at the hospital because his ex-girlfriend got hurt and said that she had even gone with him to visit her because she was like, I'm not comfortable with you going to see your ex-girlfriend at the hospital. Can I go with you? And so she went, and I don't know if she wasn't, like, stable at that moment or kind of how that situation went, but... Uh, Oh, my gosh. He went with his wife to visit her. Um, So during questioning, Dayton finally admitted that he had stabbed her because they were fooling around, and she didn't seem really into it. Oh, no, that's not why you do that. (laughs) You don't stab people, first of all. They're not into it. You stab. Yes. That's for anyone who might need that advice right now. Let us just tell you. She doesn't seem into it. Pause. Hold. Stop. Ask her real quick. Are you into this? If she's like... Just be, oh, me either. Okay, bye. Next time you are, let me know. <laughs> Let's talk later. So oh, it obviously go home to your wife. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Jesus. Um, so he ended up leading the police to where he threw the knife, and then was arrested for first degree assault. Okay, this is a very wild man already. One thing has happened, and I already know this is not going to go this well. This is gonna be weird because he reacts. He has like the strangest reactions ever. Yes. Okay. Cool. So right. we have a lot. We have a lot Cheerio. to cover. Okay. We'll um, sit here and listen. So later that day, so he was arrested for first degree assault, and then later that day he was released on bail. He ended up getting no jail time and four years of probation. Oh no! This is how his criminal record is starting. Yeah, because he's like, whoa, you don't even get in that much trouble for stabbing someone. It's like, Ooh. okay, well, let's see where I can go with this. <laughs> a few months later, Dayton had begun to heavily drink, and he invited two 15-year-old runaways to live at his home. Oh. He would frequently kiss them and be somewhat sexual with them. Wait, where was his wife? Where was his and wife? Fi- his wife was home. <gasps> and finally, his wife had oh. had enough, and she left him and moved in with a couple of guy friends that she had. Um... And then at some point, Dayton comes, and he's like, I want my wife back. And then he gets in a fight with the guys, and he actually beats both the guys up. Sorry, you um, can't have 15-year-olds living in your house and want your wife back. Uh, yeah. Let's Even though it. she's probably she's only, like, 16 or 17. Yeah, because she but was 16 She's like, these are married. my peers. Uh, yeah, are any of these people even over 21 no. yet? But no. this is also a different time where 15, 16, like, that was okay yeah. with, like, that, uh, it, it really was. It was, but it's still so, real awful. So she ended up um, returning home to the love nest, is what I called it. Yeah. Of <laughs> is what, what was, you called it. Of what nest. was going on in her house. Oh, I'm so um, sad that he convinced her to come back. Yeah. So on the night of August 1st, Julie, the wife, had left the house. She was out of the house, and Dayton got very drunk. And during some sexual activity, he beat the two teenagers with a beer bottle oh. pretty severely. Oh. Um, and then he ended up taking off in his Camaro, and he actually got in an accident, like in a car accident. Because he sounds like he was drinking beer. He was drunk. Yes. He was pretty drunk. Gets into a car wreck. Uh, Duh. And so while this is happening... Um, the girls have contacted the police. And he oh. was arrested this time for assault two and assault three. What? Does it ever say, like, where these 15-year-olds' parents, wait, that he just finds them? I honestly, just... I know how things were a little bit more back then. Uh-huh. I know there was some stricter. I know there wasn't. Yeah. I know how my mom lived her life. I do, too. So I don't think, no, I yeah, don't. But not I, yeah. at all. I Yeah, I know. It's crazy. I, I have... So, like parents that came from two very I know one grandparents knew where their child was at all times and yeah. the other one was like I mean do your thing yeah so I'm both of those at all times I'm like no be free but don't be too free exactly <laughs> okay. so I'm pretty sure it was probably a lot of like I said they're runaways yeah. like I'm pretty it, 
Their parents might not have even known. Yeah. It's because of those things, though, is why we are the way that we are as parents today. So that's why I'm stressed out. (laughs) Yeah. So he ends up getting arrested. um, And then he was found not guilty by reason of insanity. And he was admitted into the Oregon State Hospital. Okay. Well, in the hospital, he was transferred into the sex offenders ward, where he said he started to realize his fantasies. Oh, what? I mean, he was already... So he was, like, expressing, I think, like, lower, like, they sexual well, attraction, think, like, I things. bet you they, like, they gave a name to what he was already, like, like, they were like, oh, we're gonna put you in the sex offender. We like, think oh. that this, this program's probably gonna help you more than this program, uh-huh. but this program actually started to bring out more of the uh-huh. deviant side of him, like, basically. Yeah, gave a, gave a name to it, and he was like, wow, this is exactly what I He's like, actually, this is how I feel, and oh. then he started thinking about more things. So his fantasies were such as raping women and physically hurting women while engaging in sex, um, bondage, tying people up, and said that fantasizing about violent Basically, it was more violence against the women. Mm-hmm. So he liked to tie them up and then be violent, like, to the point... And his fantasies in his mind was, like, torturing them. They're de- defenseless, yes. that's. I mean, which, again, totally... I, I understand that nowadays people have found safe ways to do that because it is yeah. more than one... It's not even just dudes' fantasies. It's no. some women's fantasies, yeah. too. So it just blows my... It, it doesn't blow my mind. I know that, that, that people use that as their... Hey, this is but, like, there's you. healthy ways to, like, get your outlets out and uh-huh. things like that. But when it gets to a point where it's, like, violently, you're literally hurting another there's, human being and it's that's that's not consensual, no. then it, things need to stop. Yeah. Um, it. So, basically, the thought of hurting women was made him pleasure. excited. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so while in the institution, Julie filed for divorce. Good for yay, her. Yay, yay, yay. Mm-hmm. Um, when Dayton called her begging for her back, claiming he was now a doctor and it what? would not be like this anymore. Because she ended up fleeing to her parents' house in California. He got their phone number and was like, I'm a doctor. It's all different. I actually, I did come in here, but now I'm a doctor. <laughs> I'm all good. And she was like, and he was like, why won't you come back to me? And she was like, because of what you're doing right now. You're like, telling me you're a doctor. You're a liar. Just because you're hanging out with a bunch of doctors that are trying to help you doesn't mean you've become one. She was like, you're literally, you are locked up right now for the things that you have done. And you are literally just sitting here lying to She's me. like, I also finally turned 19 and understood that there are better people in this world. <laughs> I have I... met everyone in the world that is better than you. And, and everyone I've met is better than yet. you. Um, so that was the last time they talked. Cool. She was like, no, bye. Good for her. And eventually on December 12th, 1974, he was released from the hospital and decided to stay in Salem, which is where the, the Oregon, the hospital where he was. Oh, gotcha. That's where it's located. One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest was filmed there at some point. It was, yes. Mm -hmm. For anyone. Um, Maybe around this time. (laughs) No, it was definitely (laughs) years later. Yeah. Um, so in March of 1975, which is just a few months later, Dayton met Sherry Miller. Um, so, like people know, we're from the Salem area, and my brother's whole side of his family, their last name is Miller. Oh. And so when I read this, I was like, oh no. Oh no. <laughs> I don't like this. Oh. Um, so, but anyway, so... I Dayton, mean, it's helpful that it's a common last name, but also still like, ugh. I'm still like, oh, I know a lot of them. Uh-huh. Um, so Dayton met Sherry Miller, who was known as a sweet religious girl from Canby. And then this is when Dayton decided to move to the Woodburn area, which, for anyone that doesn't know, is in between, like, Salem and Portland. Yeah. It's on your way to Portland, and yes. everyone that knows about Oregon knows where Portland is. Everybody, probably, anyone that has been to Woodburn, or, 
Oregon knows Woodburn's like huge for their shopping outlet. Oh, the outlet I always yeah, forget. it's like yeah. huge. Like people that come to the West Coast are like, I gotta go to Woodburn. They Outlets. unload. They unload buses. Oh, like you I pull used up to work and there. I know it's oh, insane. Um, so he wanted to be a little bit closer to the Canby area, um, which is only about 15, 20 minutes from Woodburn. So we moved to Woodburn. Even though he was very um, enthralled with Sherry, he needed to satisfy his urges. He was like, I really like Sherry. So she but was I, like, she was like doing it for him. She but was, but she was like enough. a sweet religious. I think mm-hmm. more, and he needed like this dark side of him fulfilled. Yes, right. Um, so he regularly cheated on her without her knowing, obviously, and then they ended up marrying in October no. of 1975. <laughs> Weeks after being married. Um, Dayton lost his job, pushing him to start drinking more heavily again, smoking weed, um, and even dabbling in, I said harder dr- jobs. And like, <laughs> hopefully he was doing harder jobs, but no, it was harder drugs. Um, his fights with his wife grew larger, and finally she asked him why he was so frequently gone in the evenings and what he was up to. Mm. Like, probably knowing, like, you're sleeping with other women. Uh, yeah. Like, I, as a, a, I, if Travis was gone for two nights in a row at the nighttime. I'd be like, well, I'm single now, so you've been gone for too long. He's like, two nights in a row? And I'm like, yeah, "Yeah, 100%. Yes! Like, tell me! So, at that time, he freaked out, and he just took off. Yeah, okay. He was like, you're ridiculous, I can't believe you're accusing me of this, blah, blah, blah. That's how I imagine the conversation going. Mm -hmm. He was then arrested for a rape. Oh, what? So, that night, he went to Campy, and... He was angry. He was mad, and the next phone call that she got was him being in jail for rape. Oh, no. So while he was awaiting trial, he was released, Um, and then two months later, he was arrested on a separate rape charge. Oh. And so one of, I believe the second one was actually two, he attacked two females in Kaiser. Oh, what the um, that went chest. to I, that went to high school in Kaiser, the Kaiser area. <laughs> so, um, which is anybody that doesn't know is very close to Salem. Yes. Uh-huh. So well, we and, know people that live in Kaiser. Yeah. Yes, we know a lot of them, um, and Salem. But yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so in May, he was actually acquitted on the first rape charge, and in August, he was also acquitted on the second rape charge. Oh my God! But was sentenced to five years in prison for coercion. For the love of God. And I'm like, at least charge him for the rape, please. I'm just like, that's what's Like, it pisses me off to see, yeah, like the last one. It pisses me off to see that they're like getting in trouble for this lesser crime. I finally understand, like, I do not want to sound like I'm just hating on men at all times, but I finally understand, like, it was not until we started doing this that I understood why people are always so mad about rape charges, and I get it because... The other charges always come first. Oh, yeah. And, and I never like, knew that until... Why? Yes. It's crazy. So, yeah. So, he gets sentenced to five years. After, and then, so, he serves his five years. Cool. After cool. being released cool. in January of 1982, things had seemed to settle down. Oh. Okay. Until July 7th oh. of 1987. Oh, so, this is about five years later. Okay. So, it says that things were... There's not a did, lot of did things... Did he have, like, a kid? So he ends up actually, yes. Yeah, so he is still married to, uh, what's her name? Sherry. 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 So he's still married Molly. to Sherry. Um, and by this time in 1987, they have an 18 month year, um, an 18 month baby. Month old. Okay. Yeah. So she, even though year he, and a half. Yeah. Yeah. 
18 month old is is just I don't know why it's so easier to say that why is that it's not for me year and a half obviously I was stumbling I think it's because you want to be more exact like you want to be like they're exactly eight months old or 18 months old no one actually cares no they're like so your baby's a year and a half yeah um so uh, just real quick she they were married and then he had got all those he rape potentially charges. raped a couple women, but and then, then they she stayed, stayed together and then had a kid. Yeah. Oh no. Oh poor Sherry. So when Heather Brown, a 31-year-old sex worker in Portland, had finished working and went out to buy cigarettes while walking, um, um, so she went out. Oh, she while just... walking to the store, mm-hmm. um, a man pulled over and offered her a ride. She accepted, and somehow the conversation turned into more of a work conversation for her, mm-hmm. and he was talking about paying her up, paying her to tie her up and have sex with her. The two started to drive to the woods when he reached over to touch her leg, and she pushed him away and was like, you need to take me back to Portland. Mm-hmm. So I think at some point she just got some heebie-jeebies, some weird got feelings. Got the wrong vibes. Okay. I need to go home. Take me back. Especially if she does that for a living. She knows what is an okay person and not an okay person. Yeah, I mean, but people can be deceiving. But he was apparently probably not being deceiving at this point. Something just set her not okay. He's like, so so he refused and kept driving. He noticed that she was eyeing the door handle and started driving, like, back and forth, like, kind of all over the place and turned off, like, to a logging road. Oh, no. So he's driving all crazy, sporadic, like, and she actually was able to jump out of the car. Oh. Um, even though he was going about 40 miles per hour. Oh. So, the road great. rash that would come with that. Yeah, no, she was pretty beat up at and this point. And she was point. just trying to go get some cigarettes. Yes. Not that I support smoking, but I'd prefer that. I'd prefer her to smoke than yeah. any of this to happen to her. Yeah. So he kept driving knowing that there was actually a log truck not far behind them. And thankfully, the driver spotted Heather and was able to, like, slam on his brakes. <gasps> and he w- ended up getting her, helping her into the car, getting her into, um, or to the cab of his truck. And then he, like, called the police. He must have stopped somewhere. He called the police. They met and, like, they kind of switched her over. Oh, good. Um, and while he was in, like, she was in the car, he, she was like, I just had to get out of that car. He was going to kill me. Oh, absolutely. If you, you can just get those vibes. Well, especially when all the crazy sporadicness happens. Yeah, He's like, I'm not taking you back. And then he turns off to a crazy road and you're like, I'm going to die. So yeah, absolutely. I'm going to do whatever I can to not die. I just always, every single time that a person is out of a car or leaves one car and then has to get into, it's always a truck driver, first of all, that always is like, let me save it's you. It's the saving one. And you just Which is to... what you, growing up, you kind of think Or the opposite. Yes. yes. You were always told the opposite. But just the fact that you had to get out of one man's car and trust this other man enough to not be, I mean, it's unlikely that it would be two unfortunate people that you're in into, but still, but still like, you I've never seen know. scary movies, okay? That's how it always goes. <laughs> exactly. So she ends up getting to the hospital. She ends up living. Good. Um, Good. Awesome. Go ahead. But there's not like a lot of, uh, there's not a lot of information. And I think she might've had, I know she had some brain, brain trauma at the time. So I don't know exactly how long it took, Uh but at this time they didn't really, they couldn't, they hadn't found him. Oh, we'll just leave yeah. it there. That doesn't help any anything. I no. know I know other people that we didn't find who did things to them. So, <laughs> exactly. They didn't sleep for years. So, exactly a month later, on August 7th, 1987, Dayton was looking to pick up a sex worker when he came across Jennifer Lisa Smith, who he had actually picked up before. Okay, so they knew each other and she was like, ah, trust She's like, this okay, guy. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, recognizing him, she got in the car right away. 
after three hours, um, so three about three hours go by after he picked her up, and it's kind of don't yep. know what happened between these three hours, but oh. she did have marks on her wrist, like hogtied, oh. um, and she wasn't wearing shoes. So oh. multiple people heard a commotion near a Denny's parking lot. Hearing a woman screaming, help me, um, he's trying to rape me, or he's raping me, uh-huh. um, and seeing a man standing over a completely naked woman under a streetlight. Oh. So there's a guy that was, like, sleeping, and he woke up from these screams. And he said at first it sounded like they were in the car, and it was, like, muffled screams, uh-huh. and then it was like he was awake. Oh. Was he, like, in an apartment nearby? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was so, like, where was he sleeping? <laughs> yeah. So okay. he was asleep, um, like, in his... Home. home and he hears. and then this there's also a denny's like pretty close by can you imagine getting wake waken woken awoken awoken from getting that noise up. like waking the garbage up. truck <laughs> scares me could you imagine a woman screaming he's but also me. nowadays that's like a thing to get people out of their houses so be yeah, careful people oh be careful everyone's bad it's all scary out I there it, yeah um so uh, he heard this he woke up there's another bystander that's walking into Denny's, looks over, sees this man. There's another man in a wheelchair. He so there's a lot also of sees this. There's a lot of people. And this is like 3 in the morning, but we at all know Denny's. 3 in the morning at Denny's. Denny's. That's where all the witnesses are going to be. At exactly. Denny's 3 in the morning. There's truck drivers. Some of them can't might sleep. be drunk. But exactly. It's fine. But still a witness. Still people. Yeah. So um, the man that was actually... So basically two men started walking to her... So one of the men started walking. The other man in a wheelchair started going towards Rolling. them. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so they started heading over, and Dayton, Dayton looked over and saw them, and he just booked it. I mean, which is what good. you would think would yeah. happen. Not uh-huh. good. I mean, good. But... I mean, good that he left her alone. Yeah. But also, <laughs> what are you doing in a Denny's parking lot right so, now? So yeah, I don't know. Just being well, and this is like I think it's close. I think it's more of like a side next to it because yeah. there's an apartment in Denny's. Anyways, so one of the men, um, the man that was in the wheelchair, was like, "Oh my God, she's dying!" Oh. And literally fell out of his wheelchair to help resuscitate her. I so starts trying to resuscitate her. Just got full body chills. Yeah, I it's I read this and I was like, "That is the God. most heart wrenching." What? Oh. Yeah, and I like you picture it too. Yes. So he's trying to resuscitate her and realized that she literally has stab wounds all up her abdomen. This is not working. So by this time, there's multiple people that have came out of the restaurant to try to assist. Uh-huh. Um, the original. So then there's like somebody's on the phone calling the cops. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And then the, one of the original witness, the one that's not trying to resuscitate, uh-huh. looks over and sees him. Oh, like he didn't leave. He was like walking to his truck. So he was like hiding behind a building and then going then towards his felt truck. Like he needed. So he was like, that's him. That's the fucking guy that did this. Oh my God. Uh, and then two other people that were Just witnesses civilians. that were there, they literally got in their cars and tried to block him out so he couldn't get out the parking lot. And then he drove over the curb, oh. got away. Oh no. But did they at least get the. They got a license plate. Woo! Okay. And so the police came. They're like, oh, my God. She ends up dying. She had, like, 11 stab wounds through her abdomen. And it just wasn't fast enough. Yeah, they weren't able to save her, unfortunately. That's, like, a fantastic example, though, of, like, good people just trying to help Three in the morning. Yes. They're just, that's Just ready to help somebody. Yes. So um, the police track him down. They first go to his home. His wife's like, no, he's probably at a shop. Oh, because now he has a shop? so he yes during <laughs> this time it. where like that five years where he was like doing okay mm-hmm. so 
She's like, you've like, been doing quote, so doing good. Okay. Let's get you a shop. So he ends up opening his own, um, I think it's a car shop. Oh, okay. Like auto light. So, and that was, I think, part of the way where he was like, yeah, I'm gone late at night because... I'm working on those I'm late working. Night cars. I have a lot of work to do at work. Sorry, but I'm there. He even had a closet in his shop oh. um, where he had clothes where he would go, like, pick up the ladies. So, like, different, like different outfits. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Awful human. Uh-huh. So the cops end up going. Um, and they're like, we're here investigating a homicide. And he like walked them in. He he said that his eyes were like bloodshot. Like you could tell he had been drinking. Oh, and this is another I'm thing. Like, probably not. Well is rested. that the women that the sex workers that he had? Because he did frequent a lot of sex workers. Mm-hmm. Um, that he said he would always drink mini vodkas. Oh, okay. Um, with orange juice. So he was all about his screwdrivers. Uh-huh. And but it was always like a little mini, little like ones. the ones you get on airplanes, tiny bottles. Yeah. Yeah. And then like a little ready to go orange juice drink, and he would like. That was just his thing. Yeah. So they said that they noticed that he was, he he had been drinking, but he wasn't drunk. Mm -hmm. So they're like, have you gone anywhere tonight? And he's like, no. And then the investigator literally touched the hood of his truck and said it was almost too hot to touch. Okay. (laughs) But my car did go somewhere tonight. They were like, well. (laughs) So the officers left, but soon returned after a tip from one of Dayton's relatives um, say, and they ended up going through like the remnants. He had a wood stove there. Oh. Um, and so they, so they went through the ashes and they found like tennis shoe remains, oh, no. which was like the tennis shoes that the girl, um, Jennifer, who was murdered in the Denny's parking lot, oh. um, she had been wearing. Um, oh, they just... had like remnants of jewelries and like studs from clothing. Oh. Um, so just able to tie them back. Exactly. Okay. So. Yes. So then they impounded his car and found a lot of stab marks on the passenger side of the car. Oh, God. Um, so, like, on that. the dash, like, in the seats, on the, like, by the door. And um, his, did his wife ever go into his truck? I have no fucking idea where Because if was. I saw one stab or one little cut, I'd I be mean, like, I share a car with my husband currently, and he's got a work car, and that, if I saw one cut, though, I'd be like, what the hell happened here? Yeah, I'd be like, um... I have a question. Just, do you want to talk about this? Multiple? <laughs> yeah. So uh, they num or they ended up like putting up a lineup of pictures. Um, they questioned a number of sex workers that were also familiar with Dayton. Um, he apparently went by the name Steve, and uh. he said he was a gambler in Vegas. So he <laughs> oh, went by God. Steve the Gambler. Steve the Gambler. Oh, stupid. Oh, Steve. <laughs> so they talked about his preference when they were together and how it would always had to do with bondage, specifically being hogtied. And how there was a lot of times that it went beyond the bondage, leading to torture and uh, mutilation. Oh, cool. uh, the word mutilation is always I like, can't. ah. Yeah, I can't. Um, and that he always would masturbate during these. Right, which so, is, I mean. Which is something I, that he's. Yeah, again, I think that that's like what people do. I'm not into it, I don't know, but I just. Yeah. I feel like it seems like that that there's just a lie. So <laughs> what it sounds like his reasoning behind it, like more of his reasoning is because, so while he was in the hospital, uh-huh. he would masturbate and think about these scenarios. Uh-huh. And he liked it because he was the one that was always in control and the girls could never fight back or anything mm-hmm. like that. He always had the control. Yes. So he liked that. I wish you would have stuck to masturbating, dude. Yeah. Just that's what... Become a vigorous masturbator, yes. please. Yes. Or like, tell some people, hey, I'm into this, uh, but I just tell me if I'm getting too far. But yes. the too far part is clearly the part that he enjoyed... Which is what gives all of the other people that like that stuff the bad name. <laughs> yes, exactly. Just ex- I 100% just agree. Sucky. So, while well, Dayton was awaiting the trial for Jennifer, because they're like, he's this, you know, this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, 
in the Malala forest, a hunter came across a naked decomposing body. Oh. He immediately alerted the authorities. They searched this area and for five days, in five days, found seven different bodies. Seven? So they found 23-year-old Lisa Mock, 26-year-old Maureen Hodges, 35-year-old Christine Adams, 26-year-old Nanda Cervantes, 16-year-old Retha Giles, 21-year-old Cynthia DeVore, and still an unidentified Jane Doe. Oh, no. All with stab and torture marks. All Um. appeared to be tied up and some even missing their feet. So he wasn't actually not doing anything for all of those years of not doing anything. Yes. Okay. So they linked Dayton not only by the similarities, obviously, of the crimes, but because there was many vodka bottles and ready-to-drink orange juice. This guy. Like, sporadically around these bodies. They're all tying him. And I'm sure that uh, this is, is this before DNA? still they're still just like well there's another one of his bottles it might be like around the time that it's Mm -hmm. coming to head but yeah they're like okay well and like even they asked one of the sex workers to go with them to a store and pick out the orange and he picked they picked out the orange juice that he always bought oh that's i mean that feels like enough evidence for (laughs) me but i'm not the juror but that on top of like all the stab wounds everything like that Mm -hmm. jesus so his first trial for jennifer so they tried him for jennifer smith Mm -hmm. separately okay um, it started in February of 1988. Dayton claimed that the stabbing was merely an accident what? where Jennifer attempted to rob Dayton. Uh-huh. And then you took all of her clothes off, hogtied her, and stabbed her? <laughs> and he stabbed her when a struggle began. Multiple vic- victims, um, basically, throughout this spoke out, basically, saying this man was pure evil. Uh, yep, I agree with that. And after four hours, the jurors found him guilty, but decided he should not have the death pen- penalty. Okay. Um, and he was sentenced to life in prison for this. Okay. So exactly a year later, in February of 1989, his trial for the Malala Forest killings began. They had witness, literally witness on witness, like his previous rape victims, the girl he initially stabbed, oh um, family members, a victim's daughter who testified that like an item that was found in his um, wood stove, uh-huh. that it was... From her mom's pants. Oh, man. Um, and apparently she was obviously, like, in tears. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So there was just... They had tons of witnesses. Um, and then one of the sex workers that he tortured for six hours. Six hours? Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. Um, so when it came to his trial, and I found this really interesting, his jury panel was all women. What? Yeah. I don't know why that gave me full body it's chills, just, too. Yeah, it's just... You're I like, mean, what? There, yeah. I mean, it. I. It sounds like that. It's absolutely done purposefully. Yeah. Right? But. <sighs> I mean, by the def- you would think the defense would be like, um, what? Yeah. Oh, I have all women, but who knows? Oh my gosh, that just reminded me. I have jury duty <laughs> on the sixteenth. Oh, have fun. <laughs> don't let me forget. <laughs> Call, call you on the 15th. Don't forget tomorrow. <laughs> Put it in your calendar. Like Next I told Monday. you earlier. Put it in your calendar. I, yeah. Because I definitely you am not going to remember. You to do things that I should have already done. <laughs> <laughs> like just put it in your calendar. Oh, I just um, put something in my calendar that I already did because you told me. Oh, okay. Anyways. Yeah. I did. Turn off that alarm. Um, so yeah, they were, his jury panel was all women. Hopefully you don't have a, anything like this. No, hopefully um, I don't. I'm like juror two seventy something. Hopefully they're like, oh, oh don't you, need. yeah, they. But it's Monday, so I feel like I might have to. It just depends. Yeah. Um. So after five weeks of trial and seventeen hours of deliberation, Dayton was found guilty 
and sentenced to death by lethal injection. Um, he appealed multiple times, um, mm-hmm. and he had been resentenced to death multiple times. But in November of 2015, he waived all future appeals in order to basically exchange his death penalty and get that off the table and just have a full life sentence and said, I won't continue to appeal these. Oh, he just wanted to be alive no matter where it was. Yep. And so he is 65 and he is at Oregon State Penitentiary Ah! in Salem. I hope you don't listen to podcasts. If you do, I fucking hate you. (laughs) We really do. (laughs) I'm not even sorry. Yeah. So sorry, Grandma, again. (laughs) My bad. Oh, how have we never... I've never heard of this dude. Me either. he's still alive. How have I not... Well, maybe that's why. And if you look at Oregon State Penitentiary, it, like, says his name right there. Yeah. I bet... Oh. (laughs) Hate him. Hate all of his choices. Um... There's that's odd. That's it. That's yeah, all I he was he is insane. Yeah. When I found this, I was like, "How do I not know about this?" Also, this is awful. This is awful. Yeah, that's awful. I can't. Happy Sunday, Wednesday. Happy Wednesday. Wednesday. Happy Hump Day. It's almost Christmas. We really need to have like something happy, like that a jingle say. at the end. Here's all this sad stuff. Okay, bye. And we'll talk about like I don't know. I mean, there we go. That's it, folks. This Thanks is when for... we like add in the husband five yeah. minutes spiel, and they talk about football and oh, they're drunk or something, and people are idea. like, "Oh, they're funny." Okay, Here, I'm good. Here's happy stuff. Oh, yikes! Well, good job. Yeah, that was awful. So yeah, that's the point. Very, um, there we go. Thanks for listening, guys. Crime wives out. <laughs>